see what happens? This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Welcome to the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show, the podcast that refuses to believe that Brockmire has run for four seasons despite not actually existing. I'm your host, Taylor Cole, and I'm here with Tanya Shrugs Melendez. Oh, did you want to win? Shrug. <laughs> Val Tome Raider Smith. I will Dewey Decimate You. <laughs> and Trip the Mole Pain. It's time for your test and execution. <laughs> Hello, welcome, and thank you to all of our players for being here today. Still in Season 3, we've arrived at the second elimination match of the Appellate Division. Helping us keep score today and making sure everything's running on time is our pal, Score Master Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi there, Taylor. Before we start, I just wanted to let the listeners at home know that we are aware of the injury sustained last season, and the groundskeepers here at the stadium have replaced all of the artificial turf with real grass, although we're still asking that our players today limit the length of their cleats while they're on the field. I famously wear Wellington boots during all recordings, so this is not an issue for me, but I appreciate the PSA. And also helping us out today is production master Dave. Hey, Dave. Television teacher mother. Secret lover. Well, there's no way I'm going to be able to top that intro, so let's get right into our first game, a round of My Champion. That's the game where each one of our contestants has secretly chosen a champion from the world of pop culture. But we're going to choose the challenge that each of those champions has to undergo. Tanya, who is your champion for today? My champion is Jane Kirkovich Williams from Happy Endings. Val, how about you? My champion is Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. And Shrip, who is your champion? I chose Isaac, the bartender on the love boat. Three fantastic champions locked in. Scoremaster Dan is going to be our judge today. So let's spin that scenario wheel. Today's scenario. Which champion would do the best job of impersonating their own evil twin from an evil mirror universe? All right, Tanya, why is Jane Kirkovich Williams from Happy Endings going to be great at impersonating her own evil twin? Jane is perfect to impersonate her own evil twin. First of all, she's a chameleon. Whoever she needs to be, she is in order to win. So if you tell her that her evil twin is the person to beat, she'll do it. The same thing she brings to being the car czar's top saleswoman, the same thing she brings to the relationship with Brad to be whatever fantasy he has in mind for that weekend's trip, she knows how to make sure she always comes out on top. And Val, make the case for Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod from the Highlander universe. Well, I think he does have one major advantage here in that he did go evil for a period of time. And then there was a magic spring and everything got better again. But that practical experience, you know, when you've been evil, you certainly can play evil. It's got something to challenge, to challenge there. Fantastic. And Trip, make the case for Isaac from the Love Boat. Well, I think there's two possible arguments here. One is that Isaac is just so inherently good that he would only have to look around him at his obnoxious mates on the ship, the gophers and the docks, for inspiration on how to be evil. But more importantly, what turns you evil? Alcohol. That's all you have to do. Fantastic arguments from all three of our contestants. But Dan is going to determine our winner. Dan. 
So Trip definitely came into this at a disadvantage because Isaac is so inherently good that it's hard to imagine he could even pretend to be evil, although a wasted Isaac trying to do it would be pretty fun to watch. I do like the idea that Jane is just a chameleon and can turn into whatever she needs to be, including the evil mirror universe. But I gotta say, the fact that Duncan McLeod did in fact turn evil, I, I think Val takes the win with this one. Great argument. She's got the advantage. She'll go first in round one. Fantastic. That means Val also gets a crack at the half point. Val, get this question right, and you'll have a half a point more than you otherwise would. Here is your half point question. In the first season of Star Trek Discovery, this actor, who dealt with parallel universes in Awake, captained a ship into the Mirror Universe. Who is that actor? Is that Jason Isaacs? Absolutely. That's a half a point for you, and you'll go first in round one, today called Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. Sometimes iconic film lines just aren't suitable for a family audience and have to be changed a bit for TV. In this game, I'll read you a famous line from a well-known film, and you'll have to figure out what movie it was from. For instance, if I gave you the line, Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon, you'd know it was from the movie... Die Hard. Die Hard. If you need some help, you can ask for a hint, and I'll give you another piece of dialogue from that same movie. Ten points for a correct answer before the hint, five points after the hint. Val's gonna kick us off in round one. Your first cleaned-up movie line is... I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday-to-Friday plane. Absolutely. <laughs> Next up for Tanya. This one time at band camp, I stuck a flute in my mouth. That's a less interesting story. It's American Pie. <laughs> Correct. And for Trip, never go full special. Never go full special. I don't actually know that one. So can I have the hint, please? Another line from this movie. I know who I am. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. The only thing I can think of with the dude is the big Lebowski, so I'll go with that. Uh, no, that is the 2008 comedy Tropic Thunder. Ah. Next up for Val. Do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Hmm. <laughs> Alps. I'm going to have to take the hint. Another line from that movie, that rug really tied the room together. And I know this, but is that the Big Lebowski? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? <laughs> Absolutely. The Big Lebowski trip one question off on that Big Lebowski answer. <laughs> All right. Next up for Tanya. Hand me the keys, you fairy godmother. Okay, I don't know it offhand, but I'm assuming, just going to guess this, Pulp Fiction? I should take in the hit. Not quite. That comes from 1995's The Usual Suspects, the line that they all have to say when they're in that initial police lineup. Next up for Trip, your de-profanity-fied movie line is, Thank you, Daniel. That is very good to know. But if staying here means working within 10 yards of you, frankly, I'd rather have a job washing Saddam Hussein's car. I believe that is Bridget Jones's diary. Correct for 10 points. Next up for Val, your line is, your mother sews socks that smell. 
<laughs> and I'm just trying to figure out what in the world that it could actually have been. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take the hint. Another line from this movie, the power of Christ compels you. Oh, the exorcist. <laughs> yes. These are all really bad, but let's 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 give it to the person who did that one. That was that's pretty good. For Tanya, we get caught laundering money. We're not going to white collar resort prison. No, no, no. We're going to federal pound you into ash prison. I'm going to need the hint. Also from this movie, if you want to make me wear 37 pieces of flair like your pretty boy over there, Brian, why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair? That sounds like office space. Correct. <laughs> Next up for Trip, my name is Buck and I like to party. Hmm, what could the change have been? Um, oh, I think I know. Do I want to risk it? I think I'm going to risk it. I think it's Boogie Nights. Oh. Not quite. That comes from Kill Bill, Volume 1. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. The man with the yellow pickup. All right, let's see how our players are doing so far with our first score update from Scoremaster Dan. Well, our players might be a little too acquainted with the actual lines to figure out what's going on in these Baldurized versions. Right now, Trip is in third place with just 10 points, Tani's Bithead with 15, and Val is in the lead. She has 20 points and the half point. Let's see if Val can extend her lead further with this next unprofanitied movie line. My eyes are wide, focused, open. Well, I think I know what the original was, but um, I'm going to take the clue. <laughs> And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris? Uh, this would be Pulp Fiction. <laughs> We've got all the pieces and the answers. They're just <laughs> falling in the wrong places today. <laughs> Next up for Tanya. Forget me. Forget you, you mother forgetter. Well, I know what they're saying. I broke the code. Oh, this is going to make me insane. I'm going to need the hint. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. That's the truth about Las Vegas. We're the only winners. The players don't stand a chance. Casino. Uh, yes? What? Wait, what? Yes? Sorry. Yes? That was the joke. Oh. Uh. Someone said casino. Okay, sorry. Oh. Oh, Dan's name's oh. Casino. <laughs> and for trip. <laughs> and for trip. Pardon my French, but you're an aardvark. Oh. I have heard that before. Uh, pardon my French, pardon my French, pardon my French. That, I think, has to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. For the full 10, great answer. Everyone's last, less profanity-laden, iconic movie line. Val, this one's for you. Do you slip her the hot, wild affection? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, That's what I call it. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. I think I'm going to take the hint again. Sure. Also from this movie, Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it is we did wrong, but we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. The Breakfast Club. Yes, that censored line from The Breakfast Club. For Tanya... This town is one big chicken just begging to be plucked. 
Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I'm going to take the hint. Also from this movie, say hello to my little friend. Yeah, that's Scarface. <laughs> Correct. And closing out round one with Trip. If he had told us the truth, we would have told him to shove that red pill right up his ear. Is it this obvious? I Or is this a trap? <laughs> um, I, I just have to go with the Matrix. For the full 10 points, that's the Matrix, and that'll close out round one. Next up, a few important announcements from Promotion Master Dave, a score update from Score Master Dan, and on to round two. Hello, everybody. Promotion Master Dave here. Want to tell you about our Patreon support network. If you support the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show on our Patreon page, that is patreon.com slash USA Quiz Show, you will be eligible for all sorts of interesting goodies, including empty studio episodes that you can play along with yourself at home. We also have score break naming rights for our peeps in Patreon. And we've got coming up soon the golden ticket episode episode for our patreon people only they listen and they play lots more details at patreon.com slash usa quiz show see you there after one round of play it's time for the carl ove nausgaard score break carl ove nausgaard he's got issues with you people and now you're all gonna hear about them going into round two Val is in the lead with 30 points and the half point. Trip is very close behind with 30 points even. And Tanya is in third place with 25. That means she has to go first in round two. Thank you, Dan. That means Tanya is also going to get a chance to answer the threequalizer. Tanya, you're about to hear a question that has three possible answers. Match as many as you can via three guesses for 10 points for each correct match. Your threequalizer question is... In the years since 1990, Sherlock Holmes' nemesis, Professor Moriarty, has been depicted in three major movies. By Richard Roxborough in a 2003 proto-superhero movie, Jared Harris in a 2011 sequel, and Rafe Fiennes in a 2018 comedy flop. What movies did these actors play Moriarty in? Okay, so one of these has got to be that version with Robert Downey Jr. That I... Gonna need a film title. Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking through. Just, okay, just okay. you know, wandering around, <laughs> see if I can stumble upon it. Don't interrupt Tanya's process, Taylor. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are many Sherlock Holmeses in film that I don't see. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a book lady, a TV lady. So let's just start by saying, is one of them called Sherlock Holmes? Is one of them called Holmes and Watson? Ooh, excellent. Um, is one of them, you want to ask me about the BBC version, we got a game going. But right now, this is Guest Town. Okay. Um, and so I will also guess, I, I mean, 
I'm going to make up a movie. The other Holmes. <laughs> Sadly, no. You do get 10 points for Holmes and Watson, that 2018 comedy flop with Ray Fiennes as Moriarty. The other ones we were looking for are Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows, the second of the two Robert Downey Jr. ones. And the 2003 one was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, based off the Alan Moore graphic novel series. Before we get into round two, we're going to just check in with our contestants, see how everybody's doing so far. Valerie, we've been playing a lot of board games at home during the past year. Is there any board game or game at home that you'd like to most see adapted into a movie or TV series? Uh, yeah, uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos. And I have to say my first thought with this was um, Anaconda, but with Pablo Escobar's hippos instead. <laughs> But I went to look at like a plot summary for Anaconda because I've seen it once and I don't really remember anything of it and discovered that there is basically an entire Anaconda cinematic universe. There's like five Anaconda movies and they did a crossover with Lake Placid. So now I'm basically changed it to Anaconda versus the Hungry Hungry Hippos. Oh, oh amazing. <laughs> And uh, Trip, you know, we've been having to not play games with as many people as we like, but uh, is there any particular celebrity that you think if you could meet them in real life that you'd be pretty good friends with? Uh, well, yes, this is actually somebody I have actually met, but very, very briefly, to the extent that I doubt he remembers, but uh, definitely Neil Patrick Harris. He is basically me in celebrity form. Like, he's into game shows and magic and cryptic crosswords, and he made an escape room board game and, like, exactly the same geeky interests that I have. So I think we would have a lot to talk about. Awesome. And uh, speaking of getting to know uh, people with uh, big personalities, uh, Tanya, is there any fictional character that you would most like to take a road trip with? I would love to get into an RV with Hannibal Lecter, but not movie Hannibal, TV Hannibal, Mads Mikkelsen. It would be tricked out. He would do all the cooking. I hate rude people. I hate them. I am down with that philosophy. It would be the most luxurious trip across America. Just murder and beautiful food. And no no personal risks assessment in, involved in this decision? I, I think that he's looking for someone to believe in him and his philosophy. No one ever really gave him a chance in that show. Uh, well, keeping things very high class, we're going to move into round two entitled It's All Academic. Here at the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show, we take pop culture very seriously. But some stodgy university types might be taking it too seriously. In this game, you'll be identifying pop culture properties based on the titles and descriptions of published academic articles about them. For instance, if I told you that a 2013 article in the Communication Review was titled Palin Blank and Framing, examining the dynamics of political parody, you'd know the TV show I was talking about was... Saturday Night Live. Yes, and if the answer we're looking for is in the title, we will replace it with a blank. Now, if you needed a hint, I would also read you a short synopsis or excerpt from the article. And if you still didn't know, I would tell you it was a TV show that premiered in 1975. You'll get 30 points for a correct answer if you get it right away, and 10 points less for each hint you ask for. And you can guess at each level, so if you're not sure, take a risk and throw something out there. All right, Tanya, we're going to start it off with you. This article comes from 2013 in the Journal of War and Culture Studies, entitled The Ecstasy of Chaos, Meditations of 9-11, Terrorism, and Traumatic Memory in Blank. Let's start by guessing 24. 
Like other fantasy films released since 2001, its content reveals a nihilism that allegorizes 9-11 and the war on terror. Blank incorporates imagery reminiscent of 9-11 and draws on events at Guantanamo Bay, revealed in 2004 as a site of detainee abuses. I, I, need, another, I need another hint. It's a 2008 film. 2008. Is that going to be, this is a total wild guess, um, the Harold and Kumar that is the one where they go. <laughs> That's my best guess. That is from 2008, but the answer is. here is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Okay, oh. my version is so much better. I would read that article for sure. Yes. All right, for Trip, your article comes from 2019 in the Howard Journal of Communication. The title, Dig If You Will the Picture, Blank's Subversion of Hegemonic Black Masculinity and the Fallacy of Racial Transcendence. You asked the right person for this one. That's Prince. <laughs> Correct for the full 30 points. For Val, from the year 2018, published in the Pennsylvania Communication Annual. So let me introduce to you a cluster analysis of the blank album cover. The blank album cover. Uh, I'm going to take the hint. The purpose of this paper is to use cluster criticism in order to determine how the blank album cover reveals the band's motive and embodies transition. Through studying the key terms of the visual discourse, the bed of flowers, the blue sky, the wax figures, it was determined that the album artwork creates the metaphor of a gravesite to send the message of transition. Is this Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? So let me introduce to you the act you've known for all these years. That is correct for 20 points. Back to Tanya, an article from 2002 in Cultural Critique. Unsinkable masculinity, the artist and the work of art in blank. Titanic. Full 30 points for Tanya. And for Trip from the year 2015 in Media Psychology. Morally judging entertainment, a case study of live tweeting during blank. I feel like there's so many things that people live tweet. I don't even have a real good... I'll say mystery science theater. We observed and discussed the importance of tweets during the airing of the season three finale in the U.S., A, reflecting language from five moral domains, B, for a beloved character who suffers pain and loss, and C, about a character who regularly violates moral norms. So this was published in 2015. Gotta be something kind of zeitgeisty. I'll just guess Game of Thrones. A 2010 TV show. 2010 TV show. What would people tweet about constantly when it's on the air in 2010? Everything I can think of debuted before that. I don't have a great guess. I'll just say Homeland. That season three finale in the U.S. means it's an mm. import. That's Downton Abbey. And for Val... Your article comes from the year 2001, published in the Journal of Religion and Film. Wake up, Gnosticism and Buddhism in blank. Okay, um, is this the Big Lebowski? <laughs> <laughs> Love that, guess. What if it was? <laughs> Draws on multiple religious traditions to establish its complex worldview. Two of the most prominent are Gnostic Christianity and Buddhism, which, like the film, pose humanity's fundamental problem and its solution in terms of ignorance and enlightenment. 
Oh, this is the Matrix. For 20 points, the Matrix. That'll take us into a score update from Scoremaster Dan. Halfway through round two, Trip is in third place. He's got 60 points. Tanya is slightly ahead with 65. Val has 70 points and a half point. It is a very close game, and anyone could still win it. Absolutely. Tanya's next article from the year 2017, published in Applied Cognitive Psychology. Selective Association Between Blank Gameplay and Visiospatial Working Memory, a Preliminary Investigation. Let's see, what would have visiospatial collective memory? Um, I'm going to go ahead and just guess this first time around. Let's try Survivor. Frequent after images reported by players are a sign that blank gameplay can disrupt maladaptive forms of mental imagery because blank competes for limited cognitive resources within visuospatial working memory that contribute to imagery, potentially disrupting intrusive memories of trauma. Oh, this this question's just rude. <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious when you think about it, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know what? Now, now I'm really just swinging for the fences. The price is right. <laughs> this is a video game released in 1984. Son of a gun. Ugh. Okay. Um, 84 Tetris. Oh Tetris is correct for 10. I don't, I can't believe I didn't get that off the title. <laughs> see, that's actually a really interesting study because the idea is, you know, if you play Tetris, you kind of like see Tetris in your mm -hmm. head afterwards if you do it enough. Oh, yeah. In this article, they actually show that that stops you for, for, with PTSD from reliving traumatic memories because their brain is so full of Tetris blocks, uh, they can't process anything else. Yeah, but what if your traumatic memory is getting two of the same L pieces in a row and that's just a <laughs> feedback loop? <laughs> and Dave, also, there's this one poor guy who watched all his buddies in Nam get crushed by giant blocks and that guy's just interested just messed up. Yeah, that was Leon Tetris, right? That's what the game's named after. I mean, I'm seeing the four of us in gallery view in a two-by-two -two arrangement right now, and that's just <laughs> taking me back to those horrible blocks in Tetris. So. <laughs> We're through the looking glass here, people. All right, for Trip, an article from 2002 in Women's Studies Quarterly. The Cyborg Mystique, Blank and Second Wave Feminism. I'll go with the Terminator. Its parody of the fetishization of housework, its explicit critique of the nuclear family, its relentless focus on the constructedness and artificiality of female beauty are key issues. Sounds like the Stepford Wives. For 20 points, the Stepford Wives. For Val, an article from the year 2016 in Television and New Media. The Cruel Optimism of Blank. The Fantastic Working Mother on the Fantastical Treadmill. Fantastic Working Mother mother on the Fantastical Treadmill. Is this Bewitched? A compelling fantasy based on the valorization of combining motherhood with competitive, long-hours, high-powered waged work as the basis for a woman's value and liberation, and an emphasis on women's professional performance and satisfaction as depending largely on their individual self-confidence and ability to, quote, lean in. Hmm. I just, it feels like it could be so many different things, and I can think of none of them. Um, I'll take the last hint. A 2009 TV show. 2009 TV show. Let's... Um, Desperate Housewives. <laughs> that is The Good Wife. 
everybody's last article for Tanya, an article from the year 2019, published in the International Journal of English Literature and Social Sciences. Feminism is Love, Structural, Romantic, and Marxist Feminist Themes in Pride and Prejudice, and blank. Okay, so what pairs with Pride and Prejudice? Oh, I'm trying to think of something that's related and it's not working. So let's just go with Pride and Prejudice and I'm going to need the hint. Demonstrate that Marxist, feminist, and related egalitarian beliefs result in stronger romantic relationships. Through the beliefs, actions, and ultimate fates of the characters, the authors advocate for matrimonial and broader societal reform. The relationship between feminism and love present in the works can be best examined by comparing the relationships of feminist couples of those two conforming couples. Any familiar elements in there? I mean, couples. I've heard of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, for sure for sure just um okay so it's going to be bridget jones's diary it's a musical that premiered in english in 1985 okay so it premiered in english so it was not english before and it was 1985 and it is so that is post cats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is this not a We all have our own you? markers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1985 musical. I mean, this was always in English, though. I'm thinking musicals that were always in English. Um, oh, son of a gun. Um, no, it's 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 not working. So Les Mis. We're taking Les Mis for ten points. Originally, when was in... Les Mis not in English? It was in French. French. The book was in French, but the musical was always in English. No, the musical was originally French. Yep. When it was more of a concept album type thing. I swear to God, I feel <laughs> like I have to go like apologize to people that I didn't know that information. (laughs) Claude Michel Schomburg is going somewhere twitching because I didn't know that. Oh, I betrayed my band kid past. (laughs) Still, we're giving you 10 points for Les Mis right at the buzzer. It should be nine. I should lose one point. Don't do that, Dan. I'm kidding. (laughs) And for Trip, an article from 2007 in Cyber Psychology and Behavior. The Ideal Elf virtual identity exploration in blank. I mean, it, I don't think it can possibly be, but I'll say elf. Players use graphics tools and character creation software to construct an avatar or character. A sample of players rated their character as having more favorable attributes that were more favorable than their own self-rated attributes. This trend was stronger among those with lower psychological well-being. Oh, that kind of elf. Okay. Um... <laughs> Hmm. So which one would have been in the neighborhood of 2007? I feel like we're going back a ways. I'll try uh, World of Warcraft. Correct, for 20. (laughs) And Val, an article from 2017, published in Television and New Media. Financial Times, Economic and Industrial Temporalities in blank. I'll try, I don't know, something from the past, Boardwalk Empire. (laughs) 
Blank occupies an important place in 21st century American television culture, both because of its peculiar positioning as a before and after snapshot of the housing crisis and because of its experimental revival. Experimental revival. So it's like something that was on and then came back. Um, I don't know. Give me the last hint. A 2003 TV show. 2003 TV show. No, I got nothing. <laughs> that show is Arrested Development. Oh, God. <laughs> and that'll close out round two. Up next, one more score update from Dan and on to the final round. Before we get to the final round of play, it's time for the home version. Correctly guess the answer to Dan's pop culture riddle by the time next week's episode comes out, and you could win the chance to name a score break on a future episode. Dan? I started by shining shoes back home. I'm often aided by some nephew's tome. At sniffing out riches, I'm more than a pro. But I regret leaving Goldie up there in the snow. Think you know the answer? Find the page for this episode at usaquizshow.com and show off that knowledge, or just check that link in your show notes. Thanks for the riddle, Dan. Now, give us those scores. Going to round three, it's time for the Flintstones comic score break. The Flintstones comic. When you want a story about a vacuum cleaner to make you cry. At this point, Trip is in the lead with 100 points. Tanya's got 85. Val's in third place with 70 points and the half point, but that means she'll go first in round three, and she'll need to get just three questions correct to move into first. Thanks, Dan. Still anybody's game in the lightning round. Players get their choice of categories and have 90 seconds to answer as many questions in that category as possible. Ten points for each correct answer they can provide. Today's categories are Party Time, don't Call Me Shirley, Taking License, and Who's That Girl? Topic names might be a little bit mysterious, so pick something you think you're going to do well at, or try to keep something easy away from someone you're trying to beat. Val, in third place, you're going to pick first which of the four categories would you like. Once again, they are Party Time, Don't Call Me Shirley, Taking License, and Who's That Girl? I'm actually kind of intrigued. I want to know what Taking License is. <laughs> Do you have any wild guesses? Nope. <laughs> well, this is going to deal with licensed properties published by Marvel Comics, but not things that are in the superheroic Marvel Comics universe. So other properties that have Marvel Comics versions of them. 90 seconds on the clock. Time begins when I finish reading the first question. Val, are you ready? I'm ready. After decades at other publishers, this sci-fi fantasy franchise came back to Marvel in 2015. Star Wars. A S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier is devoted to fighting giant monsters in comics based on this film series. Pacific Rim. Godzilla. For decades, this adventurer starred in both a color comic and a gorier black and white magazine. Uh, pass. Marvel's Kid and Play comics were largely based on this film series. Uh, house Party. For much of the 90s, Marvel was publishing two books about this female toy character. Um, pass. In 1982, Marvel published an adaptation of this definitely not for kids Ridley Scott movie. Aliens? Blade Runner. Vietnam vet Larry Hama worked on a surprising amount of military angst in this long running comic. Pass. 
powdered toast man was a frequent feature in this 90s licensed book. Pass. <laughs> a comic based on this dark fantasy miniatures game started recently at Marvel. Dungeons and Dragons? Warhammer 40k. Marvel teamed with this sports league for their super pro comic. Uh, pass. This 80s kid franchise featured cyborg bird people fighting mobsters in space. Uh, pass. Daria appeared in several issues of the comic based on this MTV show. Beavis and Butthead. Evan Dorkin, who wrote... <laughs> halfway through a Bill and Ted question at the end. All right, Dan, let's hear the Val report. All right, so let's go through the passes first. It is Conan the Barbarian, who for decades starred in both a color comic for kids, question mark, and a gory black and white magazine that had nudity in it, gasp. Barbie had two comic books for most of the 1990s. Vietnam vet Larry Hama worked out his Vietnam angst in the G.I. Joe comic book, believe it or not. Powdered Toast Man was a frequent feature in the Ren and Stimpy comic book. The Super Pro comic was about a superhero from the NFL, which isn't grody at all, given what's going on with the NFL these days, and the cyborg bird people who fought mobsters in space were the Silverhawks. Now, you might remember a few minutes ago, I said that Val needed to get three questions correct to move into lead. She got three questions correct! So, she's now in the lead. She has 100 points and the half point. That puts her just ahead of Trip. Tanya's up next. She'll need to get two questions correct if she wants to move into first. All right, Tanya, your remaining category choices are Party Time, Don't Call Me Shirley, and Who's That Girl? I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna pick Who's That Girl. Any guesses as to what this might be about? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping it's about Madonna movies, but I doubt it is. You're absolutely correct. It's going to be about the life and career of Madonna. Oh, I was kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. You picked it. You think it might be Madonna, but no, you don't know anything really about think Madonna? That. No, I didn't really think that. <laughs> she thought it was a fake out. <laughs> 90 seconds on the clock. Tanya, are you ready? Sure. She has this title role in a 1996 Tim Rice Alan Parker musical. Evita. Her first Grammy win was for the music video from this 1992 world tour. Blonde Ambition. This actor coaches center fielder Madonna, among others, in A League of Their Own. Tom Hanks. This Brooklyn hip-hop group opened for Madonna on her first North American tour. Run DMC. The Beastie Boys. At the 1984 VMAs, she appeared in a wedding dress and white gloves to sing this number one hit. Like a Virgin. She plays Breathless Mahoney in this 1990 comic strip adaptation. Um... Oh, I know this. I know this. I know this. Um, um, bugs and, um, oh my God. Oh my God. It's blanking. Pass. She debuted this controversial song with religious imagery in a 1989 Pepsi ad. Like a prayer. In 2020, she teamed up with Missy Elliott and this English singer songwriter for a remix of Levitating. Pass. She showed up on a 2003 episode of this NBC sitcom as Karen's new roommate. Will and Grace. He left his normal action-heavy oeuvre to direct Madonna in the 2002 flop, Swept Away. Pass. She's accused of being lethally seductive in this 1992 Ulai Edel thriller. Pass. 
Madonna was paired with this milk actor for 1986's Shanghai Surprise. Sean Penn. Sean Penn at the buzzer. <laughs> All right, Dan, let's hear the Tanya report. Absolutely. Let's go through the passes first. Tanya, you are struggling with this. Have you remembered now the name of the 1990 comic strip adaptation? No, I'm just picturing the suits. Uh, it was Dick Tracy was oh. that comic strip adaptation. In 2020, she teamed up with Dua Lipa and Missy Elliott for a remix of Levitating. Guy Ritchie directed Madonna in Swept Away. And the 1992 Ulai Idel thriller was Body of Evidence. Still, Tanya had a very good round. She got seven questions correct. That means she now has 155 points and is in the lead. Tripp will need to get six questions correct in his round if he wants to take the win. Good luck. All right, Tripp, pressure's on. Your final two choices are Party Time or Don't Call Me Shirley. I am really, really hoping that this is not a fake out because I really want Don't Call Me Shirley. What are you hoping that it's going to be about, Tripp? It better be Airplane. Because I've seen Airplane probably about a hundred times. So Well, you're right in that that line does come from Airplane, directed by Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. So this is going to be about the careers together and separately of David Zucker, Jim Abrams, and Jerry uh, Zucker. All right. All right, Trip. 90 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Sure. This NBA legend played co-pilot Roger Murdoch in Airplane. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jerry Zucker produced this 2011 Mina Coolis Judson Timberlake rom-com. Uh, pass. She played Drebin's love interest in all three Naked Gun movies. Priscilla Presley. He plays lead Topper Harley in the Hot Shots movies. Oh, uh, uh, Sheen. Uh, Charlie Sheen. Trey Parker and Matt Stone made up this sport for a 1998 movie. Basketball. Zucker directed the third and fourth movies of this spoof franchise. Uh, The Naked Gun? Scary movie. In Airplane, this Unsolved Mystery star plays Captain Kramer. Oh, uh, uh, Robert Stack. High School High saw teacher John Lovitz trying to reach this ER and Eight Mile actor. Uh, George Clooney? Mackay Pfeiffer. In the third Naked Gun movie, Drebin has to protect this ceremony. Um, oh, uh, uh, presidential inauguration. The Oscars. Val Kilmer is a rock star sent to East Germany in this 1984 flick. Oh, um, um, uh, Real Genius. Oh, no. Top secret. A 2008 film brought this satirical newspaper to movie form. Uh, uh, The Onion? In the Jerry Zucker directed... Question about Sean Connery in First Night caught off at the buzzer there. All right, Dan, let's hear the trip report. All right, trip only had one pass. That is the Jerry Zucker produced Friends with Benefits with Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. So this was a very close game. So let's go through the final scores. Val winds up with 100 points and the half point. Tanya has 155 points. Trip needed six questions to win. He got exactly six questions. Our winner today with 160 points, it's Trip. Trip, congratulations. Nice job. I was just a Dick Tracy away. Yeah. (laughs) 
fantastic job to everybody. Congratulations to Trip, but that does mean it is time to say goodbye to Val and Tanya. Fantastic game, guys. Super, super fun. Thanks again for playing with us. Uh, Val, in the meantime, where can our listeners see or hear more of you online and elsewhere? Nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) This is it for Val. Yes, I'm done. (laughs) R.I.P. Val. (laughs) And Tanya, anything you'd like to plug while we're here? Yeah, I'm starting a TV newsletter. That's what I study in my PhD program. Um, It's called Tanya Loves TV. It's Substack. If you want to sign up, it's coming out next month. Sweet. Fantastic. And congratulations again to Trip. You'll be moving on to the Appellate Division Finals. Uh, In the meantime, are there any pop culture blind spots you want to fill in so you get your best possible game? Well, clearly I need to... Uh, remember the difference between top secret and real genius. I am just so ashamed of myself. And where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, on Twitter, I am Puzzle Trip, and you can find a lot of my quizzes at sporkle.com. Listeners, check your show notes for that URL for Trip's quizzes at Sporkle. And make sure to find him as well as the Paw Prince emoji as he continues on through our season three bracket. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Next week, the second elimination match of the long division. I've been your host, Taylor Cole, and on behalf of Scoremaster Dan and Production Master Dave, thank you for listening to the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show. Listeners, remember Dan's riddle from right before the lightning round? If you know that answer, check the link in your show notes or find the page for this episode at our website, usaquizshow.com. While you're there... Check the full backlog of episodes and seasons, and maybe sign up for our Patreon, where you can get some sweet bonus content. We love talking with our players. We'd also love to talk with you online. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, we're at USA Quiz Show on both. The Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show would now like to read the following credits from Tanya. Our podcast is hosted by Mumbles, with the help of our Game Master and Score Master, Big Boy Caprice, and produced by Flattop. I'm going to pretend I understood what that was. And Those say, are Dick uh, Tracy characters. Oh, I also have never seen it. So uh, I'll go out on that note of shame. Hit subscribe and we'll see you next week, everybody. Everybody.